sermons are a little bit like a helicopter sermon. What I mean by that is we just kind of take off and we get up there and we just, we go. But tonight's going to be one more of those, help me out, Brother Justin, what's the big airplane? The big one, the biggest, the, the one you fly on and you rub it in everybody's faces. 747, you know, that's that double-decker with the big, you know. That takes a long runway to take off. And tonight, if you'll bear with me, I want to take a, a little bit longer time, not necessarily that I'm going to preach longer, but just in my sermon, I'm going to, I'm going to take off a little slower. I want to set the stage, in, and, and I'm going to have to kind of lay it out in the Bible so you can see how it all plays out, but I believe God wants to uh, give you a simple answer today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to start with the book of Joel, chapter 3. Verse 9 through 10. Now, uh, brother, uh, who's back there? Brother Mike, put it up in the King James Version. I know a lot of times I do the English Standard, but I need to see the difference in this. I'll speak the, the English Standard Version's way of, of this verse. and You can see the King James. I hope this doesn't confuse y'all. I know it confuses our Bible quizzers because they're required to know the King James. But... Um, I just like the, the verses that I have. So uh, the, the English Standard Version says this, Proclaim this among the nations. Consecrate for war. Stir up the mighty wind. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, King James says I'm strong. English Standard kind of translates it as, Let the weak say, I am a warrior. Let the weak say I'm strong. I want to preach you today. You're stronger than you think. You're stronger than you think. And uh, to do so, I don't do this very often, but I've got a short little video that kind of sets it up, and, and we'll let you play this video and, and, and sort of get us in the right frame of mind. Pooh Bear, what if someday there came a tomorrow when we were apart? As long as we're apart together, we shall certainly be fine. Yes, yes, of course. But if if we weren't together, if I were somewhere else? Oh, but you really couldn't be, as I would be quite lost without you. Who would I call on those days when I'm just not strong enough or brave enough? Well, actually... And who would I ask for advice when I didn't know which way to turn? Who? We... We... We simply wouldn't be. <gasps> if ever there's a tomorrow when we're not together, there's something you must remember. And what might that be, Christopher Robin? You're braver than you believe, and stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. <laughs> oh, that's easy. <clears throat> We're braver than a bee, and uh, longer than a tree, and taller than a goose. Or uh, was that a moose? <laughs> no, silly old bear. You're braver than you believe, and stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. But the most important thing is, 
even if we ever part, I'll always be with you. I'll always be with you. I think the, the writer there was on to something. That even when it seems that the one that we lean on the most, the Lord said it this way, if I could bridge the gap between Christopher Robin and the Word, the Lord said it this way, I'm going to go away, but I won't leave you comfortless. I might have to leave your, your presence, but I won't leave you. And I want to preach to you today that you're stronger than you think. And so to do that, I'm going to need you to kind of hang with me. We're going to read a lot of verses. We're going to walk down a direction. It's almost a road map. And then we're going to, to go from there. So if you will, turn with me to the book of Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 3. And then after that, we're going to read Joshua chapter 23 and verse 6. So Leviticus 26, 3 and Joshua 23, 6. The Lord said to, uh, there's this moment where the Lord, it's Moses speaking, but he's speaking the words of God. And he says to them, he says, if you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rain and their seas and the land shall yield its increase and the trees in the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last to the time of the great harvest, grape harvest. The grape harvest shall last to the time of the sowing and you'll eat your bread to full and dwell in your land securely. And I will give you peace in your land. And you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will remove harmful beasts from the land, and the sword shall not go through your land. And you shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you will chase a hundred. A hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall before you by the sword. I'm going to tell you today, that is a promise that is eternal. It's not just a one-time uh, promise for the children of Israel. But there's this understanding that if you walk with the Lord, you're stronger than you think you are. And then it goes on in the book of Joshua that, that, that at the end of this, there's a, a little bit. Joshua kind of, again, through the, the unction of the Lord, has something else that he wants to say that's very similar. Joshua chapter 23 in verse 6, therefore be strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it, neither to the right hand nor the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you, or make mention of the names of their God, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to him. But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you've done to this day, for the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations, and as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand. And it's, since it's your Lord God who fights for you just as he promised. It's understanding that you're stronger than you think you are. But with every blessing, there is a curse. For every good that you do and, and the blessing or the good consequence if you are, if you will, there's a bad consequence if you don't. So Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 28 tells us what the curse is if you choose not to follow the commandments of the Lord. It says, for they are a nation void of counsel and there's no understanding in them. If they were wise, they would understand this and they would discern their latter end. How could one have chased a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had given them up? There's an understanding that if you don't follow God, then the enemy will overrun you very easily. One of them would chase a thousand of you out. 
And, and if you will, we could look at the difference between their attack, the Israel's attack and siege of Jericho and how God allowed the, the, the Jericho to fall flat. And then you know because of Achan's sin and what he stole and what he kept, they went to go to the little town of Ai that was just a little piddling town and they were soundly beaten. And it's all because if you walk with God, you're stronger than you think. If you don't walk with God, there's something happens. In Genesis chapter 30 and verse 10, and in fact, Genesis chapter 30, you find all of the children that are born to Jacob. You know that Jacob wanted to marry Rachel, and, and because of some trickery involved, he got Leah first, and then he married Rachel. And, and, and the Bible says that, of course, his heart was for Rachel, and the Bible says that, that uh, 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 he, the Lord saw that Leah was hated, and so the Lord opened Leah's womb. She began to bear children. Baron was Rachel, or Rachel was barren, and, and you know, you kind of have this intrigue back and forth. And finally there came a time where, where the Bible says that Leah's servant, Zilpah, bore Jacob a son. And Leah said, good fortune has come. So she called his name Gad. Now, in the King James, it says a troop has come. Both of those mean the same thing in the, in the language, but a troop has come. Remember that in a little bit. Um, we talk about Judah. Judah's a good Israelite, uh, you know, one of Jacob's sons. We talk about Judah a lot. We, we can talk about Reuben a little bit and Simeon. We can talk about Levi and, and all of those others, but when's the last time you ever heard about Gad? I don't know that I've ever in my life even heard someone read a Bible verse that had Gad in it. And I'm sure they have, but I've never heard it. But Gad is born, and, and he's kind of this unknown uh, uh, entity. And by the way, I just realized, because I have it in my notes, I have preached one sermon on Gad, and we'll get to that in a moment. It just peaked back in my mind. But uh, go to Genesis 49 and 19. You find that Judah... Or, or rather, Jacob, he's, he's old. This is after he goes to Egypt, and it's after uh, 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 Joseph had done all the things in Egypt, and his brothers had come, and now they've all made up, and everything's good. They're living in Egypt. And Jacob is about to die there in Egypt, and before he dies, he says, I want to bless my sons. And so he, he, he allows all of these sons to come, and this is what he says of Gad. He says of Gad that raiders shall raid Gad, but Gad shall raid at their heels. It, it's, a, it's a cryptic statement. Um, there's a lot more that he says on other of his sons, but it's a very cryptic statement. And so what I would tell you today, and I'm going to just translate it for you, this is what Jew, uh, uh, Jacob was promising for Gad. Gad, in your life, you're going to be raided, you're going to be attacked, you're going to be assaulted, you're going to, uh, people are going to mess with you, but you will get the last victory. And it's, it's so amazing how God uses the prophecies and the blessings of, of Jacob and how they come to pass or uses the blessings of Moses uh, when he blesses the tribes and they all come to pass. Now here's the one message I preached on Gad. There was that moment after walking through the wilderness that they get kind of to the edge of the promised land. This is Numbers chapter 32 and verse 1. 
And the number of people of Reuben and the people of Gad was large. They had a lot of livestock. And they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, and they said it looked good. And so Reuben and Gad, those tribes, came to Moses and said, Moses, I know our promise lies over the, the, the Jordan River. I know that's the promised land. But we kind of like this land right here on this side. Why don't you let us have our inheritance here? And I've preached a message about the, the sad things of, 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 you know, just kind of basically going almost to the promised land. And, and Moses was, was brilliant. Moses said, now listen, it's not going to be fair if you stay on this side of the promised land. And then everybody else goes over and they've got to fight. And they've got to drive out the inhabitants of Canaan's land. And you're over here just living it up. So here's what's going to happen. You can have this side. You can have that right before you cross the Jordan River land. But you're going to still have to fight for everybody else's blessing. And so Gad and Reuben said, we'll do that. We'll leave our families here. We'll leave our livestock here. And when it's time to fight over in, the, in Canaan's land, we'll go over there. We'll fight alongside you. We'll, we'll fight your battles. We'll subdue them for you. And then when it's all done, we'll go back across the Jordan River into the, into the desert, into the wilderness area, and we'll, we'll, we'll live there. And when it was all said and done, and Moses was about to be taken up, Moses sits down and he begins to bless and, if you will, prophesy over each of the tribes. In Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 20, he says of Gad, Blessed be he who enlarges Gad. Gad crouches like a lion. He tears off arm and scalp. He chose the best of the land for himself. For there is a commander's portion reserved. And he came with the heads of the people, and with Israel he executed the justice of the Lord and his judgments for Israel. I want you to listen to that. Moses, you know, you go all the way back to Jacob's prophecy of Gad and blessing of Gad. said, Gad, you're going to have to fight, and you're going to have to struggle, and people are going to rage you, and it's gonna, they're constantly going to be sniping at you, but you're going to get the last victory. Now we hit Moses, and Moses prophesies and blesses and says, there's a commander's portion reserved so you have to put the pieces of the Bible together and then you get to 1st Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 18 and the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half tribe of Manasseh had valiant men who carried the shield and the sword and they drew the bow they were experts in war 44,760 of them able to go to war and they waged war with the Hagarites and Jetar and Napshish and Nodab and when they prevailed over them, the Hagrites and all that were with them were given up into their hand. And here's one of the keys. For they cried out unto God in the battle, and he trusted, or he granted their urgent plea because they trusted in him. And so they carried off of the livestock. They got for that battle and that win 50,000 camels and 250,000 sheep and 2,000 donkeys and 100,000 men alive. And many fell because the war was of God. This is, it does matter. It really does matter. But my question that I would ask you is this. Why are you fighting? When you go through life and a struggle occurs, are you fighting because it's your battle or are you fighting because it's the Lord's battle? 
If you try to lean to your own understanding, you're destined to fail. But if you lean unto God's understanding, then anything and everything you do, God is going to bless you. The battle was of the Lord. And so it is. In fact, why don't you go with me to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Turn there. Take a moment and turn there. These are these, these moments in, in, in my life that I've been telling you. I, I get to reading the Bible and I start writing notes all in the margins of my Bible. Let me tell you some things that I wrote down. This is Jehoshaphat's prayer. The Moabites and the Ammonites and some of the Minuites are coming against Jehoshaphat for battle. And they're, they're ready to fight. And Jehoshaphat, verse 3. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 3. Jehoshaphat was afraid and he set his face to seek the Lord. He proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. I just, I just like to, to just kind of insert this one more time. Don't let your seeking of God be a last resort. Start it first. Before you try to fight the battle, before you try to do things on your own and you have to tuck your tail and run and you're defeated and you have to go back and do the whole thing with Achan where God's got to go through the camp and find out who's Don't do that. Learn to ask God, Lord, should I fight or shouldn't I fight? Is this something I need to pursue or not pursue? God, is this you? Help me. Help me. This is what the Lord said in verse around verse 15. Thus saith the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde for the battle is not yours but God's. And tomorrow you'll go down against them and they will come up the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jeruel and you will not need to fight in this battle. Just stand firm, hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. First off, they prayed, God, we need help. Second, they listened to the voice of God. They waited for an answer. They weren't Saul who got uh, uh, too impatient and tried to you know, do things on his own terms and try to offer sacrifices instead of waiting for Samuel to come. They waited for the answer of the Lord, and God said, hey, the battle's not yours. I know you are fighting it, but it's not your battle. It's my battle. Stand still. Stand still. And then it was that the Bible says the Lord delivered them. And in verse 27, they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat. Not one person was lost. And when they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. And I put a little note for me. Maybe it's not for you, but I put it for me. It said, rejoice not against me, O my enemies, but I will have the privilege of rejoicing over you because the battle is the Lord's. So you, you begin to see that, that Gad starts to come into its own. They, were, they, they begin to have a fighting spirit, a fighting expertise, if you will. And then in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, you begin to find a number of, of men that came to David's aid when David was running from Saul. And, and it's, it's men when David was at Ziglag, and, and David begins to amass an army. It's almost like a Robin Hood type thing. 
uh, kind of, you know, Robin Hood and his, and his, and his mighty men and, his, and those that are following him. It's, it's David there and he talks about there were, there were mighty men, there were bowmen, there were uh, those who could sling stones with either the right or the left hand. Uh, and, and it begins to list different ones. But in verse 8 of First Chronicles chapter 12, and from the Gadites, this is that tribe of Gad, from the Gadites, there went over to David at the stronghold in the wilderness, mighty and experienced warriors, experts with the shield and the spear, whose faces were like the faces of lions, who were swift as gazelles upon the mountain. It begins to list about 11 of them. And then in verse 14, and it says, the Gadites were officers of the army. The least was a match for 100 men, and the greatest for 1,000. That, that they, were, they, they were able to fight in such a way that one of those Gadites was able to hold at bay a hundred men. And the greatest of those warriors could hold a thousand men at bay. And you begin to realize that the blessing and the prophecy was being fulfilled of Gad. You're, you're, uh, you, you, you are a, or a <laughs> what's my title? You're stronger than you think. But there is a, a sad part, and I, I wrestled whether or not we, we take time, and I'm not going to take a long time, but I could flip that and say you're not as strong as you think you are. Because I could remind you of the curse that God said, that if you don't follow his commandments, if you don't walk with God, if you try to do it on your own, then, then one man will be able to put a thousand Israelites to flight. And I'm reminded of the strongest man in the Bible, Samson. The one, I mean, uh, uh, how many of you have been able to go to Branson and see, see Samson that's going on right now? You've seen, seen the, it's incredible, you know, when he picks up that great big old uh, uh, gate. And, and I'm convinced it was a, a, a strong gate. It's in the Bible, so uh, he did that in the Bible. So if you read your Bible, it won't be a spoiler. Uh, but uh, I, won't, I won't tell you how it all plays out, all right, you know. Um, so in just a minute, close your ears so you're not, you're not, you, you don't understand, just uh, it'll be okay. But uh, every once in a while, I've, I've come across uh, some, some of these strong men competitions, and they have some just incredible strong men competitions, and it's these dudes that are built like tree trunks, and they, they pick up these, these concrete balls that, that weigh just almost 1,000 pounds, and, and, and it's cool what they can do, but even the strongest man can only carry those so far, and then they start wobbling and they break. Samson hoisted up, again, close your ears. Samson hoisted up the, uh, the gate and walked miles. Strongest man in the Bible. But here's the problem he was doing it his way. He wasn't walking with God. And he wasn't as strong as he thought he was because one little lady was able to take down the strongest man. He was brought low, and I, I say this tongue in cheek the strongest man in the Bible was brought low by a girl. Because he's not as strong as you think you are if you're not walking with the Lord. And that's that curse. How can one have chased a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had given them up? And I want to tell you, it's not worth fighting any battles if God's not behind you. When it says God gave them up, it's, it's basically that moment when God looked at Moses and said, you know what, I'm really tired of dealing with y'all. But I promised you the promised land. So tell you what, why don't you go do whatever you want to do. Go to the promised land. I'm just not going with you. And Moses put the brakes on. He said, oh, no, 
I'll stay right here because you're here. I won't take one step if you're not going to go with us. It's not worth trying to fight a battle on your own. I want God to go with me. So it is that you begin to think and how, what does it mean you're stronger than you think? It becomes verses like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 5. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. God has, and, and I, I, oh man, I'm, this is, I don't like talking about God like this, so just kind of hopefully everything be okay. God has more power in his little pinky than we have in all of humanity's armies. And so when we look, at, we, we begin to look and we examine our weakness and our strength and then we need to look up to heaven and examine if God has a weakness. But the Bible says the weakness of God is stronger than men. Or 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3. It's when Paul was talking about that, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I know a man that was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows and he heard of things that cannot be told and which men may not utter and of this man I will boast. And he's most likely talking about John. But he said, now, as for me, I can't boast on my behalf except of my weakness. For if I should wish to boast, I wouldn't be a fool. I could speak in truth, but I'll refrain it because I don't want anyone to think more of me than what he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of revelation, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. It was a messenger of Satan to harass me and to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. Three times I battled this and the Lord replied, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my power is made perfect in Weakness. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. It's just a good little question to ask yourself. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Sometimes you just kind of kind of look in the mirror and quit seeing your own self, quit seeing your own weaknesses, quit seeing your own places and foibles and even your own strengths per se and realize that you've got Jesus Christ living inside of you unless you don't. That's what the Word said, unless you don't. This is what happens when you get God on your side. Hebrews chapter 11. What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon. Rack and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms and enforced justice and obtained promises. They stopped the mouth of lions. They quick quenched the power of the fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong out of weakness. They became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats. They were destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, though commended through their faith, they never received or they did not receive what was promised since God was promising something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. What it means is they did all of that and they couldn't even be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost because it had not yet been given. And now you and I come 
And here we are on this side of the gospel, on this side of the book of Acts, where that power that he promised is able to be in us. It's no longer God above us. It's no longer God with us, but now it's God in us, our hope of glory. Zechariah records these words, Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. that he said unto me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Or Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. No, and all of these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. Or Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to take you one other journey. Luke chapter 8. I'm just, as I begin to uh, look at all of this, I, I just get stuck on that fact that they had that promise. One can put 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight or other variations of that. And so Luke chapter 26, or Luke chapter 8, verse 26. And they sailed to the country of the... Gezerines, which is opposite of Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on the land, there met him a man from the city who had demons, who for a long time had worn no clothes. He had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out before him and said with a loud voice, What have you done with me, Jesus? Or what do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. And for many a time it had seized him, and he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he could not break the bonds and be driven, and was driven by the demon into the desert. And Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And the man said, Legion, for many demons had entered in him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. So a herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let them enter into these. And so Jesus gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man, entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake, and they drowned. Those that were watching the pigs were astounded, and they fled. They told the city and the country, and the country and the people went out to see what has happened. And they came to Jesus, and there was the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all of the people of the surrounding country of the Gazarenes had asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with a great fear. So he got in the boat and returned. And the man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Now in this, it uses a different word, but we know him as the demonic of Gadara, or the demonic of the Gadarenes. And I, I, I just, it was one of those things that was kind of just on the tip of the mind. And so I had to go get some biblical maps. And I, I began to pull up some biblical maps. And I began to look at the tribe of Gad and where it was. And then I looked at where they said this Gadara or this Gezerine is. And it was right there kind of at the northwest corner of the tribe of Gad. I don't think it's any, I don't think it's any uh, accident. Because we know that. Legion and, and, and many times legion, uh, it could represent a, a, a soldier 
uh, a legionnaire was a soldier that commanded upwards of a thousand soldiers. And we've preached a lot about this, how many demons was in this man and how, how they, they, that, that they tore him and they caused him to live in the tombs and they would, they would try to uh, put him in chains and chains couldn't do anything for him. I read one commentary about this and it said there's three, there's three players in this, in this act. There's Satan, there's society, and there's the Savior. And Satan had his way with him. Satan had slipped in and he had tormented him. Nothing could hold him. Society really couldn't do anything. They could listen to him. They could bind him. They could try to control him. They could try to contain him. But there was no freedom until the Savior stepped on that shore. And I've, I've, just, I've just found it interesting that a thousand demons couldn't keep that man from worshiping the Savior. It could break chains. It could make him cut himself. It could make him live in the tombs. It can make him howl all night. But when Jesus steps on the shore, there's not a mount of demons or hell or anything that can keep you from coming into the presence of God. And those thousand plus demons had to bow at Jesus' feet. One man putting a thousand to flight. Happened in the land of Gad. I want to ask you a question, and I... I, I don't, I'm not going to preach very long. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty much done. i got like one paragraph left. Now, how long that takes me, I'm not exactly sure. I've got one paragraph left. Delilah's question. She, she asked this of Samson. Tell me where your strength lies. Tell me the secret of your strength. Now, she was asking for the wrong reason, and she was asking to, to, to mess him up. And for the Millers, I'm not going to tell you all the stories, so that way you can, you can, you can hold, it, hold it fresh. It's your fault for opening up. But I'd like to turn that question, not in a question of, of, of trying to destroy the strength and trying to trip up someone like Samson, but I want to ask you this question. Where does your strength lie? You could look, begin to look over your life and you say, you know what, I don't know. I'm not really that strong. I've failed. I've messed up. See, this is the beauty of Gad. That Gad, Gad, he, the, 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 the tribe got so close to, the, to a promise of God and stopped. And we've done that. We've all been, a, 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 we all could be accused of that exact same thing, of sometimes a little half-hearted effort. We get so close to a breakthrough, and then we kind of back away. And, and, and if you will, if I could uh, uh, say Gad sinned, Gad, Gad messed up. But yet still, at the end of Moses' life, knowing full well what Gad was going to do and all of that, it still said, Gad, I've got a promise for you. You're stronger than you think you are. I know they liked the, the land because it would, it would feed their horses and all of their livestock. Maybe there was a little bit of fear that said, I don't want to go over there. I've already heard the, the, the ten spies report. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. Maybe I don't want to go over there. And They, they were going to just settle right here and be just fine, but Moses forced them to have to go over there, and they fought. And, and then I wonder if there was any buyer's remorse. I wonder if they, they started fighting against Jericho and Ai and all these cities and they began to see for their own eyes the land that flows with milk and honey. And I just wonder if they had any buyer's remorse and said, man, I wish we wouldn't have settled so quickly. 
God, even then, we have the prophecy and the promise that says, but you'll enlarge your borders. I, I know you, 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 you may have some buyer's remorse, but it'll be okay. You're stronger than you think you are. And so the question remains, how strong do you think you are? What, where does your strength lie? If it lies with your own understanding, you're in a heap of trouble. If it lies with your own ability to fight and have combat, it's not going to get very far. But I'd like to tell you today that there's two things that you need to answer that question. Number one is this. I am weak. God, I can't fight this battle on my own. I can't, I can't face the onslaught of what's being uh, 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 thrown at me. I can't make it through this situation on my own. I don't have enough power to make it through this on my own. I don't have enough strength. My emotions can't handle it. My, my life can't handle it. Lord, if i got to do it all by myself, there's not a chance I can make it. I'm weak. Part two of that equation is when I'm weak, I also know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want you to think about that for a moment. This might be the simplest message I have ever preached in my life other than Acts 2.38. When I'm weak, I still know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you're stronger than you think you are. I've watched people, it, it, it blows my mind to watch the weights that is allowed sometimes to fall on people. It blows my mind to, to see people that sickness has racked their body and, and, and just time after time it, it, it lays them down and I, I look at them and I say, man, they are strong. But they're stronger than they think they are. I've watched when turmoil comes. I've watched when trials come. I've watched when, when, when I mean, go look at Hebrews. They were tortured. Uh, they were mocked, they were flogged, they were imprisoned, they were stoned, they were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They were destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, but they were stronger than they ever thought they were. And about the time they thought they would give in, they began to remember, I am weak, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Just about the time that they could throw in the tile, they could remember these things. No, no, in him we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. About the time that they were ready to bow up and say it's over, I give up. It's, it's Job's wife. Job just cursed God and die. And the moment he was about to do that, maybe he heard a little bit of a prophetic word. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. You're stronger than you think you are. Just little old you, just one of you, can put 100 to flight. Two or three of you could put 10,000 to flight because you're stronger in Christ Jesus. I want you to stand. I'm going I'm to just read a bunch of verses, just, just as many as I can. And I, I want you just to kind of let, the, this is one of those, uh, I'm just going to saturate you. It's Deuteronomy 3.22, you shall not fear them, for the Lord your God shall fight for you. It's Exodus 14.14, 14, the Lord will fight for you and you only have to be silent. 
In Psalms 35, 1, David said, Contend, O Lord, with those that contend with me. Fight against those that fight against me. It's Deuteronomy 20 and 4. For the Lord your God goes before you to fight against your enemies to give you victory. It's Romans 8, 31. What shall we say if God is for us? then who can be against us? It's Joshua 23 and verse 3. And you've seen all that the Lord your God has done to these nations for your sake. It's the Lord who has fought for you. And I begin to think of those. It's, it, 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 it's, I, I could tell you that there were some moments that even though Samson had a bad part in his life, there were some times when he just picked up the jawbone of a donkey and he took it and he put a thousand men to flight because he was walking in the presence of God. When he didn't walk in the presence of God, one little lady was able to lay him low. But when he got his life and his act back together and he started walking with God again, his end was greater than his beginning. It's because you're greater, you're stronger than you think you are. I can tell you about uh, 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 Jonathan and his armor bearer who went up and was able, just those two, only had one sword between them, just with those two were able to lay the Philistines low. I could tell you about a mighty man of David who was the chief of the three and he wielded a spear against 800 whom he killed at one time. You're stronger than you think you are. I could tell you about the book of Judges, Shamgar, who killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad, just kind of a pointed stick, if you will. You're stronger than you think you are. But those are not just Old Testament uh, 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 fantasies that now in the New Testament we won't have them. I'm here to tell you it works today. And I don't know what battle it is that you're facing. I, I'm not suggesting that you're going to go pick up a stick and start whacking everybody in your neighborhood. But I'd just like to tell you somebody, to tell you this. You're stronger than you think you are. The enemy's put in your mind that you can't make it. The enemy has, has convinced you and, and maybe for the first time in Satan's life he tells the truth when he starts talking about how weak you are. It might be the only time he ever tells the truth. But you look him right in the eye and say, I know I'm weak. I understand that. I know that, that, that I've faced that lust and that temptation time and time again and I'm so weak I've fallen for it every time you put it in front of me. There's something changing because when you begin to acknowledge your weakness you're acknowledging that there's a God that is able to take what your weakness is and say I'll make you strong you're stronger than you think you are in, his we in our weakness we're made strong and I'm here today to go all the way back to what we said in the book of Joel chapter 3 let the weak say I am strong that you can lift your head up and say Lord here I am God, I can't do it on my own, but I've been seeing what you've done for Gad, and I've seen how you've blessed him. Lord, would you help me a little bit? Would you let me have some of those same promises and blessings that you have, that, Lord, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I wonder if you just close your eyes for a moment. I don't know what it is that steps and up against you. I don't know what it is that you've been battling. I don't know what it is that you've been fighting with. I don't know what... Uh, 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 attack of the enemy that he he's able to put on you. Sometimes it's a sickness. Sometimes it's it, it's just thoughts that that overwhelm you. Other times you're, it seems like you're fighting people and 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 you just have all of whatever it might be. I want you just to get that in your mind, and I want you to remember all the verses that I've led you on today. I, I've led you on a journey. 
to be able to say, no, I'm stronger than I think I am. Lord God, it's by your power. It's by your glory. It's by your spirit that I'm able to stand here. My refuge in time of 